Dear God, school is different now. I don't understand the world, but I know that when hard things happen, I should pray. So that's what I do. I pray that we can keep learning, whatever that looks like, and that we'll be together, even if it's in a whole new way. God, I pray as we step into the unknown future that you continue to show me things about myself and life, things I can't learn in books. Be with me, God, no matter how this year unfolds. Help us, God, to do our best every day. Even when every day isn't what we thought it would be. Keep us safe and keep us learning one day at a time. Thank you, God. Amen. 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 Welcome Hopevale to our digital experience. My name is Brent, I'm one of the pastors here at Hopevale. What a great video reminding us that we can be intentional in our relationship with God during any season of our lives, specifically when things are relaunching. If you're new, we would love to connect with you. Head on over to hopevale.org new and fill out a digital connect form. We would love to connect with you. There are a couple of ways to connect with us in our online service. You can go ahead and sing in your own home. We know you do it anyway, so you might as well stand up and worship with us. Another way is during the teaching moment. You can engage with our teaching moment by having your sermon notes ready, your Bible open, and you can even engage on our mobile app as well. Another way that you can engage with us is to continue to give. You can give electronically at hopevale.org give. You can text Hopevale to 77977, or you can drop off your gift right here at our Shattuck location. Uh, you can mail it in. You can do all sorts of stuff like that. We want to thank you for all of you who have been continuously giving. In this moment, we're going to pray and move into our sermon series. Heavenly Father, we can't thank you enough for the opportunity to be here, to do this. We can't thank you enough for the opportunity to continue to seek opportunities to chase you down as you chase us down. I pray that we would continuously be intentional and that we wouldn't let our age be a factor in how intentional we are chasing after you. In your name, amen. Join us as we continue our Unlikely series as Sam looks at the character of Josiah in the Old Testament. Hey, everybody. I'm Billy. Glad you're here for worship today. Yeah, just more of God in our life to worship Him, to put Him first. Millie's going to kick us off. Alyssa's going to kick us off. Let's sing with the ladies here.
guys. Hey, so glad you're uh, taking some time out for God in your life, friends. Um, we're gonna sing this next song. It's uh, um, one we've been singing for a little bit. It's, uh, it's a song called Is He Worthy? It's kind of like a, it feels like an old hymn, but like a new chorus too, like a hymn and a chorus put together. It's sort of a, if you've been walking with the Lord for some time and singing all kinds of different styles of music, it's sort of like a, kind of ple- uh, scratches both of those itches for the new and the old, which I love because I, I grew up on some old music and and, and love new music too. So um, what I love about this tune, it just asks some questions. And uh, if you know it, you, you know some of this song already, but if it's more new to you, uh, this tune uh, says a lot of what's going on today. You know, do you feel like things are broken? Do you feel like the shadows are deepening? And it's just a, it's just a tough season, you know? And I think we do feel like that. And, um, you know, and is all creation groaning? Yes. Like, it's just hard right now. It's a tough time in life with this pandemic season. And uh, this beautiful reminder is that uh, it continues to ask a question. It says, is anyone worthy? You know, is anyone whole? Um, is, uh, you know, who, who's, who's, the one, who's the line of Judah who conquered the grave? And, and there we are singing about Jesus and the one who uh, made it all possible. Before our uh, worship time and before we record these worship services, we get together and we sit in a little circle and we talk a little bit and we pray together. And one of the questions I've been asking lately is, uh, why is it worth it? Why do we do this stuff? You know, and we work all hard, you know, cross our T's and dot our I's and make it so we can offer something uh, for God that uh, he would be pleased with and uh, something for you that uh, would be inspiring to you that you can worship along with. And our teachers work hard to make it so, you know, our speaking pastors can make it so you're um, trying to walk with the Lord a little bit better and a little closer. And some of these answers that came out tonight before uh, we recorded this service was uh, talking about, um, you know, we said, why is this worth it? And you heard some answers like, man, you know, when if we if people can be pulled a little bit closer to the things of God in Christ, what a win is that? And uh, if, you know, if we if people can be freed from depression or you know, have anxiety calmed a little bit. Uh, what a win is that? And uh, we talked a little bit about uh, how one thing never changes in the midst of all of this, and that's God in Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we can lean on in these days, friends. I have no idea how hard this season has been for you. I know it's been hard for all of us, but um, I think you're here and I think you're watching and I think you're worshiping with us so you can lean in to the things of God in Christ. Do that with us now and uh, let's lament together and let's, let's praise the Lord together and let's remind ourselves that it's the Lord Jesus who's the one who's here and it's our rock and the one we can count on and the one that just wins the battle every day. And uh, so let's worship together. Mark, take us in, man. So I ask, do you feel the world is broken? Do you feel the shadows deepen? But know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through. Baby 
of our blessing and honor and glory. Is he worthy of this? He is. Or does the Father truly love us? Does the Spirit move among us? And does Jesus our Messiah? awesome time of worship we've already had. I love that last song, just the call and response. Is he worthy? Yes, he is. You know, I got to take part in the baptism service this past um, Wednesday night out at Bay City State Park and just watching 40 of our own Hope Failers get baptized. It was incredible. And just to see the life change that Jesus is doing in our church is incredible. I'm uh, Sam Burke. I'm the next-gen pastor here at Hope Vale. And we are actually in our final week of our series called Unlikely. And this series is all about these improbable stars from the pages of Scripture and the, the stories that they got tapped by God on the shoulder to step into, to walk into these incredible stories that they got to live and that we get to be witnesses of. And here's the cool thing about this whole series is that these people were just like you and just like me, and we can live in these incredible stories when God taps us on the shoulder and says, hey, I want you to step out in faith. In week one, we looked at the story in the life of Moses. Um, this, this guy who God said, hey, I want you to lead the Israelite people out of slavery in Egypt. And he looked back at God and said, who, me? I can't. I have this speech problem. I can't do that. And God said to him, um, I don't care. That, that's the way that, that you are. I want to use you anyway. God wanted to use him in spite of his, his limitations. He said, I'm not limited by your limitations. And we learned that we should not excuse what God could use. In week two, we looked at a story in the life of one of Jesus' disciples named Peter and how he failed Jesus in a, in a miserable way. He denied him three times. 
And, and Jesus could have been like, hey, Peter, sorry, you failed me big time. I can't use you. But instead, he chose to do something completely different. He chose to forgive Peter. He chose to restore him and to re-engage him back into significant ministry. And we learn that our past failures don't disqualify us from present ministry. In fact, Jesus wants to use you and he wants to use me significantly in spite of our past failures. And last week, we looked at the story of a woman named Rahab who had an occupation that I think a lot of us might say that because of that occupation, she would be the most unlikely person for God to use. But what we learned through her story is that her occupation did not define her. Her obedience to God did. And for you and for me, our occupations don't define us either. Our obedience to Christ does. Well, today we're going to take a look at the story of an eight-year-old that God used in a huge way to eventually lead the Israelite people back to following him and following his laws. And I thought to myself, you know what? If we're going to talk about an eight-year-old doing awesome things for God, why not try to find an eight-year-old to interview on the front end of our message time? And so I found the cutest eight-year-old that I know around. Her name is Karis, and she's my daughter. Say hi to Karis. Hi. <laughs> So, Karis, I know I already asked you this, I already said this, but um, maybe somebody at home wasn't paying attention, or maybe they had to run to the fridge to get a snack or something, I don't know. But how old are you? I am eight. You're eight? You're going to be, you're eight just like the kid in the story is eight. That's cool. So, have you been eight for a long time or a little bit of time? Um, a little bit of time. I turned eight in July. In July. Okay, so you're new at this eight-year-old thing. About a month in? Yeah. yeah, okay. So what grade are you going into in school? Third. Third grade. So are you excited to go back to school? I'm a meh. Meh? <laughs> why, why do you, what do you mean? I'm a meh because um, I don't like gym. You don't like gym class? <laughs> okay. Well, we got a month of at-home school, so you're going to be spending a lot of time in front of what? My brothers and home. Your brothers and, and home and... Computer. A computer, yeah. <laughs> Long time in front of a computer. But when we finally go back to school, what's your favorite thing about school? Probably my friends and music. Friends and music. Why do you like music so much? Because they teach us how to play these interesting, interesting instruments. Mm -hmm. And I'm learning how to play the guitar by you. Oh, yeah. That's fun. Okay, so... We're going to actually get into the actual part of the questions, okay? That was just to get to know you a little bit. Okay, so we're going to talk about an eight-year-old who became king of Israel today, right? And so in November, all of the adults are going to vote for a president. Now, I don't want to know who you would vote for. That'll get us into a lot of trouble. We don't want to talk about that. But I do want to ask you this. What would you feel or think if you, as an eight-year-old, if someone came and said, Karis, we want you to be president? I would feel shy and hide in a corner. You would feel shy and hide in a corner. Why? Because I'm stage fright. You're stage fright? I find that very ironic because you're up here on a stage with a microphone and you're stage fright? You have a point. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I don't think you're very stage fright. But, okay, so after you get over the shy stage fright part, then what would you do? Um, probably I would brag in the boy's face and shove it in the face. <laughs> Say, oh, I'm president. Okay. I think you'd be a terrific president, Thank by you. the way. Um, okay, so if you were a president or if you were in charge of a country, um, what would you try to do to help all of the people? Because that's what leading means. It means serving and helping and lead all the people and doing what's in the best interest of people. What would you do? Um... I would give everyone a free peach and an apple. A free peach and an apple? <laughs> Why? They're both very delicious. Oh, okay. I barely get a peach. Oh, okay. <laughs> I would also stop racism. Stop racism. Ooh, that's big. Mm-hmm. And I would give... I would um, clean up all of the trash. Okay. And I would also clean up trash in the rivers and lakes and oceans. Oh, wow. And save all of the turtles. Save the turtles. Okay. <laughs> Those are awesome things. Okay, so here's the biggie question. I know this is probably the one you've been waiting for. Okay. So if you got to be in charge of our house for a whole day, <laughs> what rules do you think you would make? 
I would make the boys do all of the chores. I would throw veggies at them. Oh, my goodness. I would get to snuggle my mom and dad, oh. like you. Like um, me. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I would get um, to play screens, mostly. Play screens? Which one would you pick? I'll pick the Switch. The Nintendo and Nick, Switch? And Nick's going to be screaming in the corner. Because <laughs> he likes to play it and you're uh -huh. going to take it from him? Awesome. Well, hey, those are all great things. You're, you're all good. All right. Well, Karis, thank you so much for letting me interview you, okay? That's so awesome. You did such a great job, sweetheart. Did you want to say anything else? Yes. What did you want to say? I wanted to say for breakfast, I would have cereal. Oh, for yes. For lunch, I would have pancakes and sausage. And then what for dinner? And what for dinner would be waffles and pancakes topped off with a bunch of whipped cream and syrup. Oh, that's a perfect day for the you, huh? Extra, extra syrup. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for letting me interview. You did such a great job. High five. Yeah. Let me get a kiss for you. All right, here we go. Go sit down over there, and I'll see you after the service, okay? And don't biff it off the stage. Wait, 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 wait. We need this. You need this. What? <laughs> oh, I love that kid. She's so cute. <laughs> you know, I got to tell you, I was, uh, I was pretty nervous when I came up with this idea of having her um, come here and answer these questions. And the reason I was nervous was because I had no idea what was actually going to come out of her mouth. We, even we rehearsed it, we went over it, and I still had no idea what she was going to say. I mean, you know, even as we were coming up here, I was second guessing, going, I don't know, is this going to work? I'm not sure. And I shouldn't have because kids are awesome. I know they are, but, but I did. And, and I asked myself this question, why? As I'm sitting here, I'm going, why? Why is that? I think it's because we as grown-ups... We do a lot of the time, we think, you know, you're too young or, you know, to know what to do or to know what to say. And so why don't we let the grown-ups talk, let us be in charge? You know, I think that's why we wouldn't have, I mean, among other reasons, we wouldn't have an eight-year-old as a president. Because, you know, we like, in the people who lead us, people who are in charge, we like predictability. We like to know what's going to come out of their mouth. We like to know what they're going to say. I mean, imagine if she had a Twitter. I mean... <laughs> I, I'm just going to leave that there. Um, anyway, I think we tend to do this. I think we tend to do this, and not just with kids. I think it has become all too easy for us to discredit someone because of the number of years that they've been alive. And, you know, I think it's kind of like an amusement park. It's kind of like, you know, you must be this old to ride, or you can't be too old or else you can't ride either, you know. And a lot of times I think we, we don't, you know, we, we think, you know, they don't have enough numbers behind their name in order to do something for God, or they have too many numbers to be used effectively by God for things. You know, if they're too young, we say things like, well, they're naive, or they're unexperienced, or they're immature, or they'll figure it out when they get older, and we say those kind of things. Or, you know, and I'm not even gonna say what is said about people who are perceived to be too old, because, you know, a lot of that is pretty subjective. I mean, my kids told me that I'm too old, and I'm too awkward to try and do TikTok dances. Okay, I, I probably am for that, okay? I probably shouldn't be doing that, but, and, and if you're wondering, you know, what in the world is TikTok, well, you are definitely then too old for it. Um, <laughs> but I, I think we do this. I think, you know, we think that God cares about an age number, or at least sometimes we act like God cares about an age number. But, but to God, age is just a number, and he proves it to us over and over and over again in the pages of the scriptures that he loves to use people no matter what age they are. There are stories after story after story of people who we would say they're way too old or they're way too young. And God says, no, 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 I'm going to use them anyway. So if you have a copy of the scriptures, the physical one, digital one, I want you to grab it and I want you to turn to the Old Testament book of 2 Kings. And I want you to head to chapter 22. Today we're going to finish up our Unlikely series by taking a look at the life of an eight-year-old boy, like I said earlier, who became king of Israel at eight years old and who God used in a huge, huge way. His name is Josiah. Josiah. Now, here's what you need to know about this story leading up to where we're going to pick it up. 
The kings of Israel were actually given their kingship through birth. And so um, Josiah, his dad was king, his grandfather was king, his great-grandfather was king. And so Josiah became king. Now the kings were split up into southern and northern part of Israel after um, Solomon was king and then his son became king and then it kind of split up and they went their own ways. And David's line followed in the southern kingdom and that was called Judah. And in Judah, there were only a handful of kings that the scriptures called good kings. All of the rest of them were kings that, that the scriptures said, man, they were evil. They were, they were no good. They were wicked. They turned Israel to the idols of all the other nations. And so Josiah's grandfather, Manasseh, became king when he was 12 years old. And he reigned for 55 years. And the scripture says that he was a wicked king for all of those 55 years. Then his son, Ammon, took over, and he only reigned for two years as king, and then he was assassinated. And he was a terribly wicked king. So Josiah, after those two years, he becomes king at eight years old. The last good king in Judah was Josiah's great-grandfather, a man named Hezekiah. But, that, but Hezekiah, he died 49 years before Josiah was even born. So that's how long it's been since Judah has seen a good king. You know, there may have been some stories that were told about this great king, Hezekiah, to Josiah, but I'm not even sure Josiah would have fully known them or recognized them at all, because all he knew was his grandfather and his dad and what kind of king they were. And so here's what happens in this story. 2 Kings chapter 22, we're going to start in verse 1. This is what it says. It says, Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. His mother's name was, was Jedidah, was daughter of Adiah. There's going to be a lot of names that are crazy. We're going to read through here. She was from Bozkath. Look at the, verse 2. He did, look at, jo, I love this about Josiah. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And he followed completely the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. Verse 3. In the 18th year of his reign, King Josiah sent the secretary, Shaphan, son of Azaliah, the son of Meshulam, to the temple of the Lord. And he said this to them. He said, go up to Hilkiah, the high priest, and have him get ready the money that has been brought into the temple of the Lord, which the doorkeepers have collected from the people. Verse 5. Have them entrusted to the men appointed to supervise the work on the temple. And have these men pay the workers who repair the temple of the Lord. Verse 6. The carpenters, the builders, and the masons also have them purchase timber and dress stone to repair the temple. Look at verse 7. But they need not account for the money entrusted to them because they are honest in their dealings. Josiah says, listen, we don't need to kind of keep track. Every little tiny, they're, they're trustworthy. We can trust them. Verse 8. Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. So he gave it to Shaphan who read it. Verse 9. Then Shaphan the secretary went to the king and he reported to him, your officials have paid out the money that was in the temple of the Lord and have entrusted it to the workers and supervisors at the temple. Look at verse 10. Then Shaphan the secretary informed the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read, it, read from it in the presence of the king. Verse 11. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his robes. Verse 12. He gave these orders to Hilkiah the priest. Ahikam the son of Shaphan, Akbor the son of Micaiah, Shaphan the secretary, and Isaiah the king's attendant. Verse 13. Go and inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all of Judah about what is written in this book that has been found. Verse 14. Great is the Lord's anger that burns against us because those who have gone before us have not obeyed the words of this book. Verse 14. They have not acted in accordance with all that's written there concerning us. Look at the, the next verse, verse 14. Hilkiah the priest, Hikam, Akbor, Shaphan, and Isaiah, they all went to speak to the prophet Huldah, who was the wife of Shalom, the son of Tikvah, the son of Haras, keeper of the wardrobe. She lived in Jerusalem in the new quarter. Look at, keep going. Verse 15, she said to them, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Tell the man who sent you to me, look what she says to tell them. This is what the Lord says. I am going to bring disaster on this place and its people according to everything written in the book the king of Judah has read. Verse 17, because they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods and aroused my anger by all the idols their hands have made, my anger will burn against this place and will not be quenched. 
Look at the next verse. Tell the king of Judah who sent you to inquire of the Lord. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says concerning the words you heard. Verse 19, because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I have spoken against this place and its people. Look at the next verse. That they would become a curse and be laid waste. And because you tore your robes and wept in my presence, I also have heard you, declares the Lord. Look at the next verse. Therefore, I will gather you to your ancestors and you will be buried in peace. Your eyes will not see all the disaster that I'm going to bring on this place. So they took her answer back to the king. Look at the next verse. Then the king called together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. And this is what happened. Verse two. He went up to the temple of the Lord with the people of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests and the prophets, all the people from the least to the greatest. He read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant, which had been found in the temple of the Lord. Look at verse three. The king stood by the pillar and renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord and to keep his commands, statutes, and decrees with all his heart and all his soul. Look at this. Thus confirming the words of the covenant written in this book. Then all the people pledged themselves to the covenant. So here's Josiah. He's this eight-year-old child who, because of his father's assassination, is now thrust into being a king. And I'm sure that just thrilled the people of Judah <laughs> to have an eight-year-old king. They're probably like, oh my goodness. Although his father Ammon was such a wicked king that his own officials assassinated him. So maybe the people thought, well, it can't get any worse. Maybe we'll give the kid a shot. I don't know. So 18 years go by, 18 years later, as a 26-year-old, God uses Josiah in a huge way. Josiah saw that the temple needed restoration, so he gets some of the people working on it. And as they're working, they find the Torah. They find the law of God, the first five books of the Old Testament. So the high priest gives it to the king's secretary who reads it to Josiah. And when Josiah hears what's being read, his heart begins to break because he realized in that moment that the people of Judah had been led completely astray from God and from his laws. And so he had his people find out from this prophetess what should be done. And she basically says to them, she says, return Judah back to following the law of God. And if you don't, your fate is going to be the same of all the others who, who did not. And so then Josiah then has the law read to all of the people. And he makes a covenant that Judah is going to return to following the law of God. He was a 26-year-old man, a young man, leading an entire nation back to God. I mean, just think about this for a second. It had been 75 years since these laws had been read. Or followed 75 years and Josiah's actions as a 26 year old corrected 75 years of wrong of going in the wrong direction this eight-year-old boy who was forced into being king in the midst of terrible circumstances becomes a 26 year old young man who leads an entire nation back to God even though he had zero positive role models in his life he just had this heart that was sensitive towards God, and he took action when he felt like God was moving. And I love the fact that this story doesn't say something like, well, Josiah waited until he was old enough to appease those who he thought were, was too young or too unexperienced to be king. He just knew God's moving, we need to follow. And he took that action. God used Josiah no matter what his age was. And here's the cool thing about this. God can use you and I no matter what our age. So what does this story of Josiah mean to us? You know, if God doesn't care about age in order to use us, you know, what, what do we need to do to be ready to be used by God like Josiah was? Well, I want to offer three suggestions. And the first suggestion is this. Don't let your age determine your actions. Don't let your age determine your actions. Allow God to determine how you should act. Now, that's what I love about Josiah's story. His heart is just sensitive to God. The law is read, and his heart begins to melt, and he's so sensitive to where God is moving. And he allows God to shape his actions for him. He never once thought in those moments, you know, I don't think I'm old enough 
to make these decisions. I don't think I'm old enough to take these actions. You know, I'll, I think I'll let the adults in the room figure it out. He just did exactly what we talked about uh, with Rahab last week. You know, he, he paid attention to where God is moving, and then he took that next right step of obedience. So don't let your age determine your actions. Allow God to determine how you should act. My second suggestion is this. Don't discount someone else because of their age. Don't discount someone else because of their age. You know, I think for a lot of us as adults, we tend to do this. You know, I, I, I've worked with teenagers for almost 20 years as a youth pastor. So I actually got to have a front row seat um, to this kind of thinking and see how, you know, it's people who are young receive this kind of thinking. But here's what I've seen being a youth pastor for almost 20 years. I have seen God use some teenagers to do some incredible things, to, do, to do, have some pretty big and huge God moments, even among adults. I, I think it's so cool. So we can't discount someone because of their age. And, and to those of us who are younger, and you see how I lump myself in there, even though you know I'm 40, I still can't figure this out, which group I'm in right now, but you know, I think we, you know, those of us who are younger, we, we tend to do this in reverse. I think we think people are, you know, too old to understand it or to get it or to be useful. And we need to stop that as well. God can use anyone, regardless of what their age is. Don't discount somebody else because of the number that's attached to their name. And then my third suggestion is this. If you are younger, don't wait to contribute. If you are younger, don't wait to contribute. I want to speak directly to anyone who is watching this who would find themselves in the teenage or, or young adult category. Here's what I want to say to you. We need you. We need you. Your contribution in the church is significant. Don't wait until you're old enough to make a difference. Start right now. Find some way to serve. Find some way to contribute, especially when we start getting back to meeting together in person. You know, step up. Lead the way. The statistics are showing, you know, pre-COVID, before all this lockdown stuff, that the millennial and Gen Z crowds are leaving the church in droves. But what if? What if? What if we could, like, buck that trend? What if we could go away from that? What if we could be the church that not only begins growing in, in huge numbers in that category, but has a significant amount of people who are millennials and Gen Z contributing in a huge, huge way? If you are younger, don't wait to contribute. God can use you no matter what age you are. I mean, as a, a multi-generational church, what if we leaned heavily into that truth? I mean, just imagine it. Just imagine how big of an impact that that would make in the Great Lakes Bay region if we all realized, hey, it doesn't matter what age I am. I have something to contribute. God can still use me. You don't have to be old enough or even young enough for that matter to make a difference for Jesus. God can use a three-year-old. God can use a 13-year-old. God can use a 30-year-old. God can use a 70-year-old. You know, one of the things I love and I have loved and appreciated about Hopevale over the years is that we are a multi-generational and an intergenerational church. And I pray that we will always value that and that we will never discount what anyone can do for Jesus because of their age. God can use you and God can use me no matter what our age. So let's go make a huge difference for Jesus. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for the story of Josiah, this young little boy who through tragic circumstances was elevated to the position of king at eight years old. What a crazy thing to even think of. And yet, as an eight-year-old, he, not even having any positive examples and role models to look to, to be king, he just was sensitive to you and to your direction in his life. And at 26 years old, paid attention enough to know, we got to get back on track with you. And God, you used him in a significant way to move the people of Israel towards you. And God, I know there's probably someone who's watching this service who's thinking, yeah, but I I, I'm past my years, or I'm not quite old enough to do anything like that. And 
I know what you would want to say to all of us is, age is just a number. I want to use you anyway. And so God, may we feel your nudge. May we feel your push and just step out in faith and follow you and look to contribute wherever you're leading us to. Because we know that you want to use your church in a huge way to impact this world for Jesus. May we be that multi-generational kind of church where we look across the room, where we look across uh, the whole church and we say, age is just a number. We're all in this mission together to help people find and know and follow Jesus. May we do something huge in the Great Lakes Bay region for Jesus because of that reality. In Jesus' name, amen. Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. When you move, I'll move. I will follow. trust God in any season of our lives through uncertainty and through any piece of our world that seems to be shaking. He is worthy and he is trustworthy. As we begin to think about the future, as we begin to think about relaunching, we want to thank all of you for who have been continuously giving to Hope Vale. We can't thank you enough for allowing us to process what it looks like to relaunch. And speaking of relaunching, September 13th, 
is going to be our relaunch in person, which means next weekend on Labor Day weekend, we will not have in-person services or outdoor services. We will have the digital experience that will be sent out, but we will not be meeting in person in hopes that on September 13th, as we gear up for our relaunch, we can all join together again. We cannot wait to see you there. If you have any questions or want details, you can head to hopevale.org slash relaunch. We're so excited to get back together. 